Well, good morning, church. My name is Mark Putman. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. I am so excited to be here this morning and grateful and pleased that everyone has tuned in today to be a part of our worshiping family. Whether you're tuning in from nearby or far away, we're glad you're here. We thank God to be able to worship using live streaming, and we hope and pray that you and yours will receive a blessing by worshiping online with us today. I also want to express my deep thanks and appreciation to lots and lots of people here at our church who've been working very hard under challenging circumstances to help the mission and the ministry of Anderson Hills move forward during this time in Christ's name. We're trying new and creative ways, not just in worship, but we're exploring new ways to stay in community together in our life groups. We're reaching out and caring for our people while they're not able to get out. And especially, we are still serving the most vulnerable in our community, providing food and prayer and in so many other ways. And so this is how we're going to continue to be the church of Jesus Christ for the foreseeable future. And during these trying times, God is giving us a great opportunity to share the love, the assurance, and the hope that is only found in Christ with other people. We may not know what the future holds in store, but we certainly know who holds the future, Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you to follow safe practices that you are hearing from doctors and government leaders. Keep a good physical distance from others. Stay home if you're able, especially if you're not feeling well. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, sneeze into your elbow, and call your doctor if you have symptoms. But even more than that, I encourage you to keep following spiritual practices that will draw you closer to God during this time. Pray, read scripture, serve, give, worship, share the gospel, and find new ways to be in Christian community. We love each and every one of you, and we are praying for you. In today's message, we're going to take a look at some of the teachings about the kingdom of God that we read about in our Bible reading plan this past week. Now, if you've never heard of our Bible reading plan because you're tuning in and you're not regularly a part of Anderson Hills, that is available to every single one online, either at our website, which is andersonhills.org, or through our Facebook page, Anderson Hills United Methodist Church. There are five readings each week. And reading those ahead of time will prepare you for Sunday worship. In our lessons this past week, Jesus began to teach the people about the kingdom of God. He said it is near at hand, and it was expanding all around them. The prophets in the Old Testament had spoken about a kingdom led by a new kind of king, the Messiah. And now here was Jesus, the Messiah in the flesh and the blood. Jesus often taught his followers by using parables. Parables are stories that use illustrations from everyday life to illustrate a spiritual truth about God. Jesus had a message to tell the world about this kingdom that was breaking in, and many people listened to him and eagerly followed him. That wasn't true of everyone. And so he told his listeners a parable 
to help them understand. I'm reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. You see, back in Jesus' day, farmers sowed their seed by hand. There weren't any of those modern farm machines that drop seed into nice, neat, orderly rows in the ground like we have today. And so farmers would strap a big bag over their hand and they would just scatter seed liberally, scattering it, tossing it here and there. Because the more seed that they scattered, the more chance that some of it would germinate and produce a good crop. This method naturally meant that some of that seed might land in a place where it would be hard for it to grow. Well, after Jesus told this parable, his disciples asked him to explain it to them. And so he expanded a bit on what he had said to them. I'm picking up in verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word at once and they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Jesus said, let those who have ears listen to what I am saying. Now, all of the people who were following Jesus were coming to understand and believe that this was no ordinary man. There was something different about him. He taught differently than the other teachers did. He taught with authority, and he was teaching about the kingdom of God. Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God is still spot on for us today. There are people who hear this good news today of the kingdom and ignore it. They can't be bothered to make time for Jesus. Or they hear the good news and right away they respond with joy, but then life gets in the way and it chokes out their faith and they go back to business as usual. Or they hear Jesus' words, but wealth and power and busyness have just too much powerful of a hold on their life for them to give it up. 
But sometimes, I think Jesus isn't just talking about different kinds of people in this parable. He might be talking about different points in our own life when we've been unable to receive him. Maybe early in our life, we didn't want to hear about Jesus, and then something happened to us, and we became more receptive. I can think of times in my life when I've gotten really excited about Jesus, and then all too quickly, I forgot that my first love is always to be him. Sometimes we're happy to receive Jesus' teaching in some areas of our life, but not in other areas of our life. I may be all in. I may be great, fertile soil for worship and prayer and Bible study. But my soil may be pretty rocky when I hear Jesus command me to love my enemy or give my hard-earned money to people who are in need. But Jesus wants every single one of us to be like good soil, receptive to the message that he's planting inside of us. And he wants every single part of us to be good soil, not holding back anything, not being hardened so we can't receive from him, not letting anything else choke out the message that he brings to us. And so Jesus finished teaching the disciples for the moment about the kingdom of God being like a seed, even a really, really tiny seed like a mustard seed, but that's planted and it grows and it grows and it grows until it becomes the greatest of all the plants in the garden. And then Jesus and the disciples had to be on their way because there was more work to do. And so we pick back up in Mark 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That's an amazing story. Talk about Jesus being no ordinary man. Trapped out in the middle of the lake when a storm came up, the disciples were terrified. They went to get Jesus and they found him asleep. Here they were, feeling like they were probably going to die by drowning, and their leader is fast asleep. But they woke him up, and he commanded the wind and the waves to be still. And they did. Here's lesson one. The wind and the waves obey King Jesus. This was a physical storm, wasn't it? A force of nature. But we know that storms come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? Many of us, maybe most of us, feel like the COVID-19 coronavirus 
is a pretty big storm raging in our life right now. Yes, it's been brewing farther away in other places for a little bit longer, but now the winds are swirling around us and they're close to home. I know that some people are scared for their loved ones, especially the elderly or those with suppressed immune systems already and other, other vulnerable members of our society, the poor, the homeless, people do, who don't have the luxury to isolate because they have jobs that the rest of us are absolutely depending on right now. Doctors, nurses, police, fire, EMTs, grocery clerks, shop owners, pharmacists, the list goes on. Many people have already lost their jobs. Many more are fearful that they will before it's all over. Gains and increases to your stock portfolio that had accumulated in the stock market in recent years have disappeared practically overnight. And these things say nothing about the storms that you were already facing before COVID-19 first showed up on our storm radar. What storms are you facing in your life right now? What keeps you up at night? What causes you great anxiety? No matter what storms you are facing in life right now, we can learn this truth from God's word. If Jesus is in your boat, you don't need to be afraid of life's storms because the wind and the waves obey King Jesus. Let me say that again. If Jesus is in your boat, you don't need to be afraid of life's storms. Turn to Jesus. Let him have your fears. Give him your fears. Trust him. He cares for you. Jesus gives you the wisdom you need to make good decisions as you go through life's storms. And Jesus has all the resources that you will ever need to weather your life's storms. And only Jesus can calm your storm and give you peace. One of my favorite Bible verses is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But Jesus doesn't only calm the wind and the waves. This past week in our reading, we saw Jesus healing people in multiple different accounts of miraculous healings. And one of those accounts is found in Luke 13. We read, we read on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? 
then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Jesus loves you. He loves all people. He loved this woman who had been crippled by a spirit for a long time. He loved her so much that he healed her and she was cured. And a lot of the people who witnessed this were thrilled. But not everyone. Some of the religious leaders were mad that Jesus healed this woman on the Sabbath because healing was seen as work and you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. Jesus called those religious leaders hypocrites because they were focused on following the letter of the law so much that they missed the purpose of the law. Taking care of people who are in need is more important than following a rule. We also read accounts this past week of Jesus healing several other people. He healed the demoniac man who had multiple evil spirits living in him and tormenting him. He'd been literally bound by chains for protection, and he was bound by those demons. But Jesus set him free. He commanded those demons to come out of the man, and he sent them into a herd of pigs, and those pigs promptly rushed down a hill into a lake, and they were drowned. We also read accounts of Jesus healing a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years straight, and about Jesus who raised the synagogue leader's 12-year-old daughter up from the dead. So here's lesson number two. Physical and spiritual ailments obey King Jesus. My friend, in this world, we face physical, emotional, and mental ailments. And Jesus cares about each of these because he cares about you. Yes, he has given us doctors and therapists and psychologists and medicine and so much more to help heal and restore us. But ultimately, Jesus is the great physician, and all healing originates through him. Jesus cares about our spiritual ailments as well, and they often go hand in hand with physical, emotional, and mental disorders too, because we know that God created all of us, every part of us, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He is pleased with his creation, and he offers us a full and abundant life. We can seek all of those resources available to us to find healing and wholeness and the life of freedom that Christ offers us. At Anderson Hills, God has been raising up people trained in the ministry of prayer and healing. And many people have already been set free from a physical or spiritual ailment. And you can too. Call the church office if you'd like to meet with someone to pray with you. Jesus was no ordinary man. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Nature obeys King Jesus. Physical and spiritual ailments obey King Jesus. All of the things that worry us bow down in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus teaches us what to do with those things that worry us in Matthew 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, 
Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. From this we can learn that we can give King Jesus our worries too. Jesus tells us that we don't need to worry about food or drink or clothes, and I might add about toilet paper or hand sanitizer or Clorox wipes. Hear me, please. Jesus is not telling us not to plan. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is a waste of time. We can't change anything by worrying, but we can change everything by planning and by trusting in God. In fact, if we do a good job planning, we will almost certainly cut down or even maybe eliminate our need for worry. We can ask ourselves the question, what can I do today to plan for tomorrow so that I can give God my worries about tomorrow? Another thing we can do is we can seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness. We can turn to God first for help. We can pattern our lives after Jesus' teaching and pattern it upon his character. We can fill our minds with the mind of Christ. We can cast out fear and doubt or anything else that is not of Christ. We can give every aspect of our life to Christ, making sure that all of the soil of our life is good and tilled and fertile soil, ready to let the seeds of God's kingdom take root in us. We can put Jesus' words into practice. Jesus says, Those who do the will of my heavenly Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What are you building your life on? Don't be like a fool who built his house on a sandy foundation that washed away and caused the house to collapse when the storms of life came. Instead, be like the wise man who built his house on the rock of Christ Jesus. There is no better foundation upon which to build your life, my friend. Jesus is the rock. He is the firm foundation. He is your shelter, your strong shield, your fortress. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. 
all other ground is sinking sand. My friends, the kingdom of God is at hand, and it has one king, and his name is Jesus. Jesus gives a command, and the wind and the waves obey. Jesus gives a command, and demons flee, and lives are restored. Won't you let Jesus be your king? Won't you give him your bondage? Won't you give him your worries? Won't you give him all of your tomorrows? For all of eternity. If you want to make Jesus king of your life for the first time in your life, or if you want to surrender to him that piece of rocky soil, that thing that chokes out his word, won't you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, I come to you, and I want to build my life upon you with you as my Lord and my Savior, totally and completely. Forgive me for the times I've gone my own way, turned away from you and sinned against you. Thank you for paying the price for my sin in your death on the cross and for setting me free so that I can live for you. I surrender everything I am, all of me, to you this day. Remake me in your image. Make me a child of your kingdom. Build your kingdom within me and then use me to share it with others. In your powerful name I pray, Lord Jesus, King of Kings, amen.